0: You know, your brand, everybody tells me about building your brand, but really to me, your brand is only a promise to the customer of what you will do for them. Our brand is, we promise our customers the best products that they can find that has our name on it. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast, inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third-generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. If you happen to be new to this show, thank you so much for joining us. If you're a longtime listener, I'm so glad to have you back and thank you so much for your support. If you don't know what the heck you're listening to, well, let me tell you. On this show, I interview local business owners, entrepreneurs and influencers in East Idaho. They share their origin stories and we get to be inspired and you also get to know your neighbors better. So it is the ultimate win-win. You guys, I'm so excited to learn more about my guest today. This businessman is very well known. I'm certain every one of you have tried his products or at the very least heard about them. Um, I can say he has been a part of our family for like 26 years. So, welcome Alan Reed of Reed's Dairy to the show.
0: Thank you. Nice to be here.
1: Well, we're so grateful that you carved out a little bit of time to be on the show and excited to get to learn about you. And I'm not kidding when I say you've been a part of our life for that long because when my daughter was a toddler, we started getting your milk delivered to our little home in Iona. And you've always been a part of our lives. My kids were raised on your milk. You actually have ruined them. They refuse to drink <laughs> anything else. So you've definitely been a part of our lives, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that can say the same.
0: Well, that's very nice of you. We're we're grateful for the support that the community has given us over the years. We're we've been really blessed to be here and be part of of this area.
1: Yeah. Well, you have you've made that difference. I understand you are the fourth generation owner of Reed's Dairy and maybe it wasn't even Reed's Dairy technically but um, or maybe it was but tell us about the story of your great-grandfather and your family and how it's kind of gotten you here today
0: all right thank you well my great-grandfather D.B. Reed moved here from Iowa he had a clothing store and his brother moved out here and and wrote him a letter and says this is the greatest place to farm and so um DB Reed moved out here, and, and he and moved onto this ground that we're on right now. This He's,
1: very space. Yeah, he yeah. settled
0: here, and and so he he started farming. We actually, his original house was up right where the airport terminal terminal is. We, oh. He owned all this ground from here clear into the airport, and so he he began farming, and and um, my grandfather then started farming with him and 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 then it just moved on to my dad and,
1: and course, so at that time it wasn't a dairy necessarily it was the no farm.
0: no it was only farm ground we didn't we didn't start milking cows until quite a bit later okay um, so then grandpa farmed and and he had three boys and and two girls and the three boys worked with him on the farm and, and during high school, during their high school years, Dad and Dave and Larry, they, they raised registered hogs and showed them. And, and that's how they earned their money through high school.
1: Was it 4-H back then?
0: No, no, it was just a, a money-making <laughs> was, project. Got it, got it. And, and so when Dad and Dave, they went into the Navy uh, about the same time and larry wrote him and says hey i'd like to sell the the pigs and buy milk cows because he's always he for some reason had this thing about milk cows okay so he did and so when dad and dave came home from the the navy then they had the farming operation as well as now a dairy operation larry was milking a few cows and
1: so how many cows at that point were there i
0: I think he started with 15.
1: and it was like hardcore like you milked them with your hands back then right
0: well no we were a little ahead of that oh, okay good
1: I mean I'm, I'm picturing this being milk bucket and the whole thing
0: no no we had we had you know up-to-date milkers for that time uh, when, and when
1: was this about the 50s
0: that would have been uh, yeah early 50s okay and so and we sold it to the public then people would come in and and pick their milk out of the refrigerator and, and put their money, actually a real shoe box on the refrigerator. And so we've been selling to the public since we really started milking cows. And then in 62, we decided to put our own processing equipment in because we actually were hauling milk in the, the old challenge dairy there down by the river and they were packaging in half gallon uh, cardboard containers. We were delivering it to homes and as well as had our own little store here and then in 62 we decided to to put our own processing equipment in and started packaging ourselves
1: and that was kind of the thing then this home milk delivery right the milkman that everybody Mm -hmm. talks about coming to your home and delivering the milk
0: right right there was i mean back i finished i got out of college in 78 and there was probably more than a half a dozen home delivery companies just here in Idle Falls Wow um, a lot of them were packaging their own milk they weren't all producing it they were buying milk but they'd, they'd package their milk and, and deliver it to the door I mean that was just the thing that's how everybody got their milk
1: but we went away from that I mean mm-hmm. for some time that wasn't a thing I mean, I remember when I learned that you guys were delivering in Iona, that it was like Christmas, you know, that I could have my milk for my little babies, you know, right there. Um, But it doesn't seem like that. And maybe it's just because I was out of it, but it was kind of a novel thing to have your milk delivered.
0: Yeah, it was. I mean, we we grew our home delivery business and, and other companies went out of business because it became more difficult because as the grocery stores grew, and had more products and were more enticing for people to go to, that That's where that kind of diminished the home delivery, and then, and it did it it fell off. Um, a lot of home deliveries in the country went out of business, and but but then I don't know. It's been 20 years ago. It started to come back, and and we've always been in it, and so our business we've seen that business go up and down, and yeah. And been a little bit of a challenge at some times, but it has it started to grow and there's some major home delivery companies across the United States right now that, that do milk. Um, we've just always been the local guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: and have continued to to do that business.
1: So at what point did you enter the business? You said you graduated in seventy-eight. Did you take agricultural? What did you study in college?
0: Well, I was I was raised on the farming side and and so I didn't really do much with the dairy other than feed the cows. It was over at one of our farms where we were living. And so I, when I graduated, Rick's college then was a two-year school. And so when I finished there, um, I had taken accounting classes. And so dad came to me and he says, I'd really like to have you go down to the dairy in the wintertime. We need someone to run our corporate books, help Larry with the business side of, of everything. And so that's...
1: Because it was growing. It continued yeah, to grow. Yeah, we
0: were growing and, and Larry needed some help. And so I I went down there and and uh, then when spring came and I wanted to go back and farm, Dad says, you know, we really need to have you here. And I wasn't that happy with that request, but I Because I you were acting
1: mostly as an accountant?
0: Accountant. Taking care of the marketing uh-huh. um, kind of the business side of, mm-hmm. of the operation but I really like driving a tractor you know on farming
1: <laughs> right and, that's how you've been raised oh uh, yeah
0: that was what I planned to do um, but anyway so I stayed and and as they say you know the rest is history kind of a thing and when when the brothers divided their operation up I stayed on the dairy side and and we've grown it into to what we have today back then we were only doing bottled milk that's that's all we did got it and so I decided that I didn't see why we were selling our cream that we separate out of our milk to to another company and so I felt it was a good way to expand would be into ice cream my grandmother always made great ice cream at our family parties so that was just her thing and and so it
1: seems like a natural fit you should be making that. yeah we should we should
0: be doing ice cream and I knew we had to make some good stuff or grandma would not be happy (laughs) Um, and so I actually spent some time at North Carolina State University learning how to make ice cream and then we started working on our own formula here and so that's been that's been really a lifesaver Uh, for Reeds Dairy to have that ice cream business because it has become very popular
1: well it's something that I mean your milk is awesome and it is definitely well known but nationwide even Reeds Dairy has a place like this isn't just a local favorite at least statewide you're definitely well known but I would imagine you you had tentacles outside of Idaho
0: (laughs) well we have we have a lot of customers that order from us regularly yeah and, and we ship a lot of ice cream all across the United States every week
1: yeah well it's you can't get it everywhere so you have to right. that's nice to know that you, it can be shipped do you just dry ice it and we do
0: it? Yeah, yeah we package in an insulated container and put dry ice on it and good to know people get it in two or three days
1: and do you do that with the milk and your, and your other products
0: well the milk is a little bit more difficult to ship because we if we put dry ice on on it it freezes. freezes yeah although we do send a lot of chocolate milk all across the united states
1: you knew where i was going with yeah, this <laughs> yeah that, that's
0: that's a very popular item with a lot of people around
1: yeah we um we had a Californian marry into our family and every time, and now they're in Utah, but every time he comes to our place, I have to make sure I have Reed's dairy <laughs> chocolate milk in the fridge because that's always his request. Oh, and, they, that's nice. and they get some as they're leaving town. So yes, that's a very popular thing.
0: Yeah, we have a lot of out of state license plates in our parking lot all during the summer and I see them packing out multiple bottles of chocolate milk and putting in their cooler.
1: Yeah, I love it. Well, during the holidays, you know, the chocolate nog and the eggnog. I mean, there's just so many, there's so many varieties. And I understand during Valentine's Day, you actually do a strawberry milk.
0: Right. So fun.
1: I've never tried that. That's the next one.
0: Yeah. It, uh, we wanted to do another flavor other than chocolate milk. This has been a few years ago. And so I worked with another company and, and with our own quality stuff and our staff here and and we created a strawberry milk that really tasted like it was strawberry milk. I, when I talked to the the people that were helping me develop, I says I need a flavor that's a natural flavoring that will taste like you bit a strawberry. And we worked for a year to, to get that. And we finally developed that flavor profile. It's really good. Although we put it out and thought it'd sell like crazy, but it, really, it didn't sell like crazy. It didn't. We had the people that liked that were dedicated to yeah, it yeah
1: right give me and, more
0: but we just we weren't selling enough to keep it all the time so we've decided to use a special item that one time a year yeah that's and, and we we took we take um orders ahead of time pre the people pre-order it we sold a lot of strawberry <laughs> milk we had to make it two extra times from what we planned it on. It might
1: be time to just go ahead with the all the time. And
0: see. Yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's Because <laughs> you've
1: our appetite, so mm-hmm. now we're coming back.
0: That's really good.
1: Yeah. Well, there's nothing that I have ever not loved. The curds, that's another thing that my family has been raised on, is your cheese curds, which are delightful.
0: Yeah, that, that came after the ice cream. So it was in around 80, I don't know, 86 or so. I saw the cheese plants, they were becoming really large and all the equipment was automated and and they were not being able to make fresh cheese curds. Yeah. Like had always been available from any kind of cheese plant you went to. So I I saw that little niche there and I thought, well, maybe we can step into it because we have extra milk and we need another product for some, uh, you know, expansion on our product line. And so again, I spent some time at Utah State University and also up at Washington State University learning how to make cheese. And, and then we found our own cheese vat and, and installed it in the plant. And then we've been selling cheese. So we, most of our cheese is sold as fresh cheese curds. I mean, essentially, you, you take the, the cheese curds and then you put it into a, into a form and press it so it it turns into a block got it got it um but the the fresh cheese curds you bag that before that process and that's sold as a snack item and
1: And you have squeaky cheese that's right (laughs) yeah it's 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 very
0: popular we sell we sell a lot of it but we sell a lot of the block cheese we just sell that to our own customers but i i had here a couple years ago or three years ago i thought i need a way to sell more cheese because our cheese cells just weren't where I wanted them to be. And so I we come up with the idea of, of selling grilled cheese sandwiches in our stores.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and we sell a lot of cheese now as grilled cheese sandwiches.
1: So let's talk about that. At what point did you incorporate stores where you actually... I mean, you said that I could have come in and gotten milk and that type of stuff. But to have a counter where I would purchase scooped ice cream mm-hmm. or the... Um, grilled cheese sandwiches at what point did that happen
0: well right after we started making ice cream we were selling it to the grocery stores and we were selling as packaged ice cream and we, we've always had a little dairy store here at the dairy and and we were selling as packaged ice cream there and then I just thought you know we really should be serving this as cones yeah scooping the ice yeah. cream and so I actually cut the old long counter that we'd use to sell milk across to the customer with, cut it and put a dipping cabinet in there, and, and that started. That
1: kind of started Our, it.
0: our first uh, ice cream store, per se. Yeah. And we started selling ice cream cones there, and we've, we've just grown from there. We, it's been about six and a half years ago, we, we stepped out and, and started the store over in Ammon, and and now we have, we've also moved to Boise over the last two years, and we have two ice cream and dairy stores there.
1: So what prompted that? Were there people over there saying we need you over here?
0: Oh, we had people into our dairy store all the time saying you've got to come to Boise. We just have to have you in Boise. You know, I really couldn't handle it myself. Um, my one son, Sam, he graduated from BYU Idaho with his business degree and. And he's always had an interest in, in the dairy. And, of course, all my kids worked there as early as they could. Yes, of course. And, you know, they indicated it was slave labor, but it, <laughs> it kept was. them busy. Um, but so with Sam here to help me, uh, someone else to help manage, then we were able to open that store in Ammon. And then because we had such a, so many requests for our, our product in Boise, we had a chance to go over there with, with our milk to do home, milk home delivery there in Boise. And so we stepped out and did that, and, and we got a lot of phone calls saying, you know, well, we're really thankful that you're over here with your milk, but what about your ice cream? Yeah. You know, where's the real we're thing? We're waiting
1: for the thing. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so we decided it was it was time to take that, that extra step and, and open one store. It, it's done really well, and then... About a year and a half ago we opened another store
1: and that's in meridian
0: yeah the first one was in meridian the oh, second one is in, in southwest boise. boise
1: yeah so that's great how fun
0: mm-hmm. oh
1: so i will ask you later but i'm in, i'm curious to know what the future is does it mean that you're going to be everywhere
0: i i'd like to look into that crystal ball
1: <laughs> well that's kind of people ask us the same thing and you know what one day at a time mm-hmm. yep um, okay, so tell me a little bit about this. You definitely, obviously this is family business and you've had um, that influence, but did you have a mentor or somebody that kind of guided you along or did you just learn this as you were going? Was it your dad?
0: Well, I learned a lot of lessons. <clears throat> Family's been really important to us. <clears throat> and and I, feel, I feel a really deep responsibility to honor that integrity and that name my grandfather wrote a, a poem before he died about the importance of your last name <clears throat> and that really touched home with me I mean I we feel that deeply and and so we've just I don't know I guess my grandfather was a real influence to me my dad you know, Larry taught me the dairy business, which was interesting, and Uncle Dave, when I was kids, we when we'd be down at the cellar during Spud Harvest, you know, he he taught us how to play while we were waiting for the trucks. All right. And so, you know, I've just grown up with, with a, a really deep um, commitment to family. Yeah. And so, I guess they were all mentors to me in their own way. Um I hadn't really known the the business side of of things as far as dealing with customers and people, and and I had I had someone that was really important to me. You know, I served a a church service mission, and my mission president. Um, I had a chance to work with him pretty closely, and and he he kind of gave me the insight into dealing with people and, and the business side of things uh, while I was serving and. So when I came home, I, I kind of liked that association with people and helping people. And so when I had a chance to come here at the dairy and deal with the marketing and, and dealing with the customers, I liked dealing with the customers, whether they were happy or upset or whatever it was, I enjoyed that opportunity to help them in, in whatever way I could. And so I think I think, you know, really anybody I've associated with over the years has has I've learned something from them. Yeah. I've always tried to watch what people do and and those that are successful pay attention, ask a lot of questions and and do whatever I could do to learn their best practices and then implement them.
1: Well, that's why I love this show, because I get to interview people like you who have decades of experience and you get to <laughs> teach us. You know uh, all of your wisdom so thank you so much for sharing that and you know when you talk about family that is near and dear to my heart um, we're third-generation owners and I don't think I probably really understood the legacy that we have now an obligation and a responsibility to live up to and to mm-hmm. continue to do but but now at this point in my in my life and with the business that's huge you right. know the Oswald name means something and we have an, a responsibility to live up to that so we will have a fourth generation that will be involved and you know that's a lot of weight to be on somebody's shoulders but it's good
0: yeah yeah, yeah. it's a family business you there's some responsibility there to honor that name yeah and and we feel that weight of that responsibility
1: well i think you're doing it very well if you care about my opinion so well, thank congratulations you. that's nice. you're doing awesome you know, you talked a little bit about um, something that reminded me there are several grocery stores and places where Reed's Dairy can be purchased. So is that also kind of your model? You make sure that you're available in grocery stores and other places so we don't have to just come to the dairy to find your stuff.
0: Yeah, we've, we've looked at that. There's, there's pros and cons to going outside of your own network, you, you know, your own hands-on thing to sell your product. We've just always felt like we needed more than, than just one delivery aspect to the customer. And there's a lot of products sold in the grocery stores. We have a lot of other dipping stores that sell our ice cream. Um, I think that I think it's important that you develop a good relationship with those people that you sell to. Help them do the right thing in the right way so your product has the best look and, and opportunity for the customers to enjoy it. Um, and and it also makes it easy for the customer to find your product. I mean it's you know to come here people have to come here. They're and they're already in the grocery store if they can pick our product up there great. Um, so we've al- we've always looked at like we have several businesses. We have a we have a wholesale business we have a retail store business. We have a, a retail milk home delivery business. And, and in a way, we have a, a trucking company also because we have all these delivery trucks. That yeah, are out right. Doing yeah, all of sure this. Yeah, you sure do. Uh-huh. And so we want, we want to pay attention to each of those different opportunities that we have and, and make sure that, that we do them all right and and efficiently and a way to to move our product
1: well it was a lifesaver to me because it almost was the deal breaker we live in rigby and in the place where we live in rigby you don't happen to do home delivery and Mm. so we almost didn't buy our house because i wasn't (laughs) going to be able to get it but i found it at the grocery store so it was a save you know like this i'm not kidding when i tell you you've been a part of our lives it's we make decisions around where we can get your product (laughs) thank you so i know why it's so popular with us but why do you think it your milk your products your curds your ice cream why is it so popular i think you you are a very well-known brand and known especially for quality and tastiness. But is it ad, good advertising? Is it word of mouth? Why?
0: Well, you can spend millions of dollars advertising a bad product and not sell anything. Um, or you can have a really good product that, that people enjoy, solves a problem for them or whatever it may be. And... And a little bit of advertising will help move that along because your best advertising is you know people's word of mouth yes, and your reputation. you know your brand everybody tells me about building your brand, but you're really to me, your brand is only a promise to the customer of what you will do for them um your Your logo is just your logo that's how they recognize it, but our brand is. Is that we promise, this is this is our brand, is we promise our customers the best products that they can find that has our name on it. And and so, you know, we have we have really good milk that's right out of the cow. We we process you know, we do everything kind of old fashioned. We're we're a little bit of an antique here because all of our milk is is processed the, the way we did it essentially 30 years ago we we don't want to become a kind of a corporate dairy processing facility we want to have hands-on we want to know how it's taken care of that that everything is done right it's just like our ice cream we decided to make ice cream we use cream milk and sugar Um, our vanilla is is real vanilla yeah it costs a lot more to do but that's our promise to the customers. It's going to be the real thing. When we make cheese, we make it by hand. We don't, now most cheese is made by a computer. If you go in a major cheese plant, we still make our cheese by hand because it gives you the old fashioned type texture and quality and flavor that you don't get otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, it, is, it, it does take us more labor. It, it's a, more costly to make. But I, I would rather make the best than just make something. Just
1: put something out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. You know, um, I think about um, national news showed us during the COVID 19 pandemic that milk was being dumped, that, mm-hmm. that dairy farmers were having to just get rid of milk. Did, you know, how has the COVID 19 pandemic? Affected you? Did you and did you happen to see an increase in home delivery during that time?
0: We did, and and there was a problem with with milk being dumped because there was no market force They had no restaurant market and all right. those kind of things. In Idaho, Idaho was dumping around hundred thousand gallons of milk a day.
1: Yeah, oh, just and awful.
0: It, it's terrible. Luckily, we we didn't ha- did not have to do that because we had a market for our milk. In fact, our milk sales did go up because our, our home delivery service become popular, both here and over in Boise. We deliver a lot of other items, all, all sorts of grocery items, anything that you can imagine, we deliver. And so, because of that situation, people were calling to get home delivery service, and and we were just kind of at the right place at the right time, you could say. And already say.
1: set up to do it. I already yeah. had
0: the logistics to do it. and so it was it was a really it was a great blessing because our store sales were way down because nobody was coming out you know we we had to remove all our tables and chairs and essentially it it really was an owie on our stores but the home delivery service was was very popular and so we did increase our home delivery customers at that time and it's been a great thing ours all of our people here really stepped up because we were I mean, we were gathering new customers quickly when they called in. And we've got some great people. And so everybody just kind of got together and, and made the best out of it. To Said,
1: I don't usually deliver potatoes, but I'm doing it today, huh? Yeah, <laughs> kind well, <of> like. <laughs> yeah, it's just,
0: I mean, we, we do produce boxes over in Boise. And, and we went from doing 20 of those produce boxes, which is a variety of produce and fruit. Twenty a day to over 200 a day wow and and we went from four trucks to six trucks over there wow. I mean we're talking in a, in a month
1: yeah wow! and we
0: had the same growth here we we had lots of new customers and uh, you know some people told me says well just put a limit you know you can only I said well if you get somebody calling and they need that service uh, we're going to do our best to try to take care of them and and so all of, all of the staff here, everybody that works here, really stepped up and put in a lot of hours, but, but we were able to take care of everybody.
1: Have you maintained that level of home delivery? Did people stick with it or have they kind of said, no, I can take care of myself now?
0: Well, a lot of people have stayed with us. They, they, I was afraid we'd lose about half of those new people that started once they could get back to the grocery store. Right. But about two-thirds of them have stayed with us they say you know we we can't find anything that tastes this good and so they're they're staying with us and you we're got still, them
1: for life now yeah, yeah I hope so yeah. we're still
0: selling a lot of groceries and and those type of items and I was at a grocery store yesterday and they had a sign out that they'd only let so many people in the store and they had a line of people there waiting and I thought well if you took milk from us, you wouldn't have to be standing in this line.
1: I have a solution for you. So here's Alan going from person to person. Right, in yeah, yeah. Where's my
0: flyers when I need them?
1: Well, it seems like an opportunity, right? So you clearly, in, to me and in, in my eyes, you um, are the example of running a very successful business. And granted, it's come with blood, sweat, and tears. But mm-hmm. what, what do you feel the key to your success is? Why has it become this great well-known thing outside of the product itself, but as a business, what do you think is the key to success?
0: I think it's the integrity that you show to your customers. Um, Our goal is if a customer has a a challenge or a problem with any of our products, I mean, they one phone call or one walk in our store and and it's solved. Yeah. We tell our, I mean, we, we hire a lot of high school kids that that pretty much manage and run our our stores and i tell them if someone comes in you have you have the responsibility and authority to solve that problem in any way you have to other than just giving away the farm
1: yeah right literally <laughs> yeah
0: and and i says they have to walk out of the store happy or if a home delivery customer calls or somebody that bought our milk in a grocery store and they call here you know, I, I run a lot of milk around to people because they have a question or they've had an issue or they've left it in their door box for a day and it's not our fault, but it's their problem and we're going to solve their problem. Yeah. So it goes back to what I told you about what a brand is. A, a brand is not your logo. A brand is your promise to your customer.
1: And how you live it. Huh?
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah. you have to live it. Yeah. If, if you break that promise, then, then you have no brand. Yeah. And you have no integrity. And so I, I think that's the key to any business is understanding what your brand is, meaning what your promise is to the customers, and then fulfilling that every day.
1: I love it because I think and I hear so much buzz out there about, ooh, I want to create this logo. And, you know, it becomes about what is outer facing. But it's nothing unless you can back it up. Mm-hmm. It's nothing unless it, in the moment, you can produce or perform for your customers what they need you to right. so yeah right. i love that so much you know tell me about you talked about giving away the farm we are here at the dairy farm at your um, broadway store mm-hmm. is this obviously this isn't all of the cows you have or is this all the cows that you have
0: this is all the cows we have okay Every, all the cows that we milk are right here on one place um, we milk them ourselves the milk goes from the cow into the processing plant where it's taken care of Um, we, we, we milk about 190 cows and, and that's tiny in today's industry. Right. Uh, you know, 10 to 30,000 cows is more of the norm. Um, so we're really small, but we produce enough milk to take care of, of the needs that we have. So yeah everything's done here all the processing is is done here we make the ice cream here we make the cheese here we bottle the milk here
1: yeah it's okay um
0: even all that that goes to boise we we do that all right here and and then ship Shipped it to it boise right.
1: so do you do tours like can people come and kind of see that process
0: that's a little bit more of a challenge yeah um
1: no is the answer
0: <laughs> <laughs> we we put we build a farm animal pitting area out here where Got we it. put all of our farm animals pigs, goats, sheep, calves, everything. They can stand in the parking lot and look at the herd of cows of, of how they're taken care of and what they're fed. But as far as going into our processing facility, um that's more difficult with with the standards that Sterile we have to keep for yeah. sanitation.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well good. So at least we can come and see the actual producers out there in the corral.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, at, at times there's there's been some bad publicity about dairymen and how they treat their cows and that sort of thing, which makes me sick. Um, but I tell people, because after something like that comes out, I'll have some people call, you know, how do we know you're taking care of your cows? And I says, you can stand in our parking lot and, and see them. almost every cow that we own Yeah. and watch us take care of them.
1: Yeah. Well, that's good. I do think that's reassuring. Um, there is definitely bad press around mm-hmm. how dairies take care of their cows. So right. thank you for reassuring us because we've turned to this very, you know, we care sometimes more about animals than we do about other humans. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, we're grateful that you're taking yeah. care of them.
0: Well, that's cows. important. I mean, we they provide a great product for us, and if we Absolutely. don't take care of them, we don't get much product. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, right. You think those two things go together. You know, I, I'm listening to you and I'm feeling, even myself, like this could be overwhelming. Does it ever feel overwhelming to you? Do you feel uncertain about what you're doing and, and like, how did I get we here and what am I doing? Do those feelings or feelings of doubt ever enter your mind?
0: Um, they have. I mean, sometimes, it, as you know, owning a business, you're really busy. Um, and it takes a lot of hours so at, at times I'd wondered man you know do I really want to spend all these hours but yet it also gives you the freedom to coach your kids basketball teams baseball teams and go camping and and taking some trips although it's it's kind of funny because the one the first time we really went on a trip with the kids we were flying I think to Disneyland yes And I was on the airplane on my cell phone until they closed the the door on the airplane, trying to resolve a problem that they were having here at our plant. So I just you know never leaves you. Never leaves you. (laughs) Yeah, that's for sure. But you know, back to your question, I I I've been trying to be really careful not to to grow too fast, and and. And kind of get ahead of yourself in the things that are going on, and and then with with the help of of um, you know everybody, most of the people we have here have been here for years. is great? They, they work for us for years, yeah. and it's just kind of a family thing. And so that gives me a lot of confidence that things are going to get done because this is this is what they do. And well, and you can't
1: possibly here. do it all.
0: No, you can't. You can't. And, and so I've kind of taken this, this growth the last few years where we've expanded so fast is as things have come forward and the opportunity presents itself, I look at it very cautiously, make sure I run the numbers, and then I just kind of let it evolve. If, if it naturally comes around and everything falls into place, and, and I don't get that you know, that gut ache in your, in your own gut decision process, then we just move ahead. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think that you can have a feel for what's right and what's not right. And, and if it easily comes together, it's probably going to be okay.
1: Well, and I think with time, at least I've seen in our business, um, it doesn't feel as dramatic and tragic. You know, if it doesn't go right, okay, you know, we, we'll regroup and we'll try something else, but it's not the end of the world. Like right. I used to think it was going to be the end of the world. So maybe that's come with age.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably so. I see that a little bit uh, in myself and and, you know, like Sam here, I... I seem to roll a little bit easier with things just because I've been through it before, and I know it'll work yeah. itself out. Yeah,
1: just hang in there. Mm-hmm. Hang in there, kid. We can do this. Right. So, what is the what would you say is the biggest business risk you've ever taken? Is it going to Boise?
0: Um. Probably, probably going to Boise was was one that I had to think about for a while. <laughs> yeah. But again, it. It, it was working. It just, all, everything was falling into place. And, and, and the challenge for me being in Boise is I'm used to having everything that happens right here. And so I have my fingers on the pulse of everything. You know, I walk across the parking lot and I, everything's being bottled. Like The cows are being milked. The store is right here. I can, and so to be that far away, it was, it was a real leap for me. Yeah. Sam kept telling me. You know, Dad, they know what they're doing over there. they can take care of it for you um and and he's right they we've got great people over there, they're dedicated and and it works. I'm learning that that I can can Let have a go. a weekly phone call with with you know managers over there and and it'll work out okay
1: yeah, it's uh... It's hard, especially when you've been the expert at everything in the mm-hmm. business, to let go a little right, bit. Right, right. Well, what advice would you have for somebody considering self-employment now that you, you're at this part of your journey?
0: I would say that, that the, the key part of that is to make sure that whatever you want to do is is solving a problem for someone, whether that's making a really great treat that that people really love or a product or service that that solves some kind of problem or fixes something in people's lives a lot of times I see I see people that they have a great idea but that's all it is to them is just a great idea nobody else needs it and so you have to really pay attention to what you want to do and make sure you're resolving an issue for somebody or providing in a food product, something that's unique, that there's a reason for it, and that people really like. If, if they don't really like it in, a, in the food industry, then you're probably not going to go there. It's, it's like any restaurant. If you go there and the food's okay, well, you probably there's don't tell your neighbors and, mm-hmm. and go back there next week. Mm-hmm. If, if it was really good, then you're going to go back, and that's what we strive to do in our stores. And so that's what somebody needs to do with a food product. I mean, is it really good? Do people want it again? Or does my service or product resolve something for someone? A good idea is a good idea, but it has to do something to continue to be a good idea outside of your own mind.
1: Yeah. And you know, so often we get caught up in the passion of it Mm -hmm. and this emotion that's tied to it. And it's almost like killing our baby if you say that it's not going to be super successful. So that's the other thing that's been hard, I think, and maturing for me is to be able to not get so emotionally attached to an idea and say, okay, if it doesn't work, I guess it wasn't the thing that was going to be. Yeah. But that's tough.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think people try to to make it work too long. Yeah. You know, forcing a...
1: Good a, Like yeah. a
0: square peg in a round hole kind of a yeah. thing. If, if it's not going to work, it's not going to work. Let's just move
1: on. Pull the plug and move mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Great advice. Well, Alan, what I'm hearing you say is that there may be a fifth generation, that Sam is here in the business. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Do you have any other kids that are doing this as their full-time gig?
0: No, we have we have a total of four children. Sam is, is the one that that is in the dairy business with me the others are off on their own successful careers and and so yeah sam sam will be here in the dairy business
1: all right so someday instead of talking about alan reed we're going to be talking about sam reed probably so okay (laughs) not today (laughs) not today well alan is there anything else you want to share with the listeners before we let you go thank you so much for all this time what is there anything else you'd like to tell us
0: well it's really kind of you to and And it's a really honor and humbling for you to, to want to talk to me um you know I kind of feel like I'm just just a dairy guy here that's trying to produce something um i you know my what I'm really grateful for is like I said early when we started as a community support um we really tried to be a part of the community like i say we've been here for a long long time but but still to to be a friendly, helpful part of the community, and, and that's always been our goal, and I think that's, that's helped us connect with a lot of people here. I had, the phone rang the other morning, and I picked it up, and a, a lady had a problem, a question mostly about her milk, and some products, and how to do something, and she says, and I was answering her question, she says, well, who are you? And I says, well, I'm Alan. You mean the owner answers the phone? <laughs> I said well, Yeah, I take the trash out too, so you <laughs> You're know, not above any of that. You just you just do what you need to do when you're in business for yourself and and um and you hire really good people. And and I've been really blessed to have really good people around me, so yeah. It's been wonderful.
1: Well, I can certainly sense that humility in you, which makes you even more beloved, I think. <laughs> so thank you. And it's my privilege. Uh, thank you for the time today. It's been such an honor to learn from you and to hear your story. Family businesses are definitely near and dear to my heart and yours is so inspiring to see how it's grown and how many lives you've been able to be a part of over the years. And. Again, thank you for ruining my children to any other milk <laughs> and for the curds and the ice cream we've enjoyed over the years. And I'm sure that I am, that sentiment is shared for, with many families all over Idaho and beyond. So thanks.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much.
1: As a reminder, this show is sponsored by Oswald Service and Repair with locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. If you are in need of automotive repair provided with honesty and integrity, please come and see us and let our family... Take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the Business Leadership Moment.
0: It's now time for a Business Leadership Moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast.
1: Hi, guys. Welcome to the Business Leadership Moment. This segment is brought to you by RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho Business Conference. They also have a sister event called RiseX, which is health monthly. Check them out at www.risex.io or www.risecon.com. And don't forget that Rise is spelled with a Z. Um, guys, today I want to talk to you about my favorite subject, accountability. I've been working with an individual, and um, there, this has been on my mind. So I wanted to just talk to you about it. We all say that we want accountability. And when I do a workshop and I say, What would your life be like if the people around you were more accountable? I see the wheels turning um, in talking to the participants. They have all sorts of ideas about how their life would be better if the people around them were more accountable. And the same thing happened with this individual that I'm thinking of. He was the owner of his business, uh, the CEO, president, whatever title you want to give him. And he was absolutely emphatic about wanting to have more accountability in his organization. And so we had the conversation around, "That's great, and I'd be happy to work with your team, and we'll do, you know, all of these great things to teach them accountability." But really, it starts at the top. And you know, I, I certainly got the, "Yeah, of course, of course, yes, I'll do whatever it takes." But I think what I'd like for us all to consider is that there are definitely some downsides to accountability. We all feel like we want them, but we don't actually consider the downsides. So let me talk to you a little bit about this story. I listened to this leader talk to me about his team and how um, there were certain projects that had to be done. And when it came time to have to report or present these projects, and if they weren't done exactly the way that they were supposed to be done, um, this owner would jump in and fix it. Um, because of course, you don't want to be sitting in front of a client, presenting a product that isn't perfect, especially when it bears your name or is represents your work. And so this became a habit, right? The people around him that should have been doing their jobs, and pre- presenting this in-depth level of a project were letting him down. And so he was running in, rescue, fixing, and saving, ending up being the one presenting. And of course, it was perfect every time because he ran in and rescue, fixed, and saved. Um, and then he complained about, you know, if these guys would just do their job. Now, we had a conversation around, why would they? Why would they ever do it? You know, for one, even if they... If you have great people around you, they desire to do the right thing, but you don't let them. You run in and you cut them off at the knees and you rescue, fix, and save and whatever it is. And it doesn't allow them to learn from their mistakes or to even have egg on their own face while they're presenting something um, because he was just too worried about his own personal reputation. Now, many of you are listening to me going, yeah, Renee, and that's exactly how I'm always going to do it. And I'm never going to make myself look like an idiot when I can present, pre- a, pre- avoid it. Um, but that's exactly where you're going to continue to keep your own frustrations. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy around accountability because you're creating people around you who if they even want to be accountable can't because you don't let them. And so that was one of the things that I saw um uh, with him and you know he uh, this leader is 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 a, is a great individual and he was described first and foremost as a nice guy. And that's what he was. He took care of everyone around him, but he's like silently going crazy and burning out and feeling like this job is just too much and and the business is maybe not what he wanted and his family is missing him right and we had a conversation around um around that and in fact i committed him to going home at a certain time during the day and th- and and had him put a consequence if you don't go home during this certain time during the day um, have dinner with your family. What's going to happen? And, and what had been happening historically is he would let himself get caught up in whoever needed him at the moment or whatever impromptu meeting had to happen or whatever vendor needed his attention. That was more important. And and he could stand on his self-righteous platform and say, I have to do this because it's for my business. Um, so we did a consequence around you've got to leave by a certain time or else this will happen. And that worked for about a week. And what I found out is that he loved to oblige the people who came to him. And as I watched this happen, I realized more and more about how this was really about him. This was about, he felt needed. He felt um, important. He felt like if he didn't do these things that the rest of the world was going to fall apart, and this gave him value. And so we had to really do a lot of work around how important are you really, and you've got to let the people around you do their jobs. So here's the problem. I did work with his team, and I taught them about accountability, and they heard the message a little bit differently than this owner did, and they started taking that to heart and holding him accountable. And in some of the ways that they did that, they, when he would talk about people instead of to them, they would speak up and say, hey, I thought we decided we weren't going to do that. And when he would actually participate in meetings after the meeting, they would call him on that behavior, and he didn't really like that. Um, they would point out when they felt like he was rescue, fixing, and saving underperformance and there, were, well, there was always an excuse and a reason why it was okay for him to do it. Um, so the problem with this is he began to shut down the accountability work, right? So the very thing that he wanted, the very thing he claimed he wanted in his organization, when his team tried to do the very thing that he, they all said they wanted, he shut them down. So I want you to just kind of think about that and see if any of this resonates a little bit with you. Um, The problem is when we say we want more organization, more accountability in our organization, we really have to look at who the problem is. And the problem very well might be the leader. And there are definitely downsides to accountability. And if you're not willing to be the model of accountability, then you really don't want accountability in your organization. And it's okay. I am so not here to judge. I would prefer you don't take your team down this journey, if you're not willing to do it, because things do kind of implode. Um, in this organization, now, because they've seen different ways that life could be, there's a there's people that are, you know, thinking about leaving. Um, and that's completely contrary to what the work that we wanted to do. So, in every instance, if the leader isn't coming along, accountability isn't going to happen. But that doesn't have to stop you. So, making certain that you keep your own personal accountability house in order is all you have control of, really. And so, this is definitely not a message ab- against accountability. This is, we own ourselves, right? And so you can be an accountable individual in your organization. If your leader isn't being accountable, it does make it a frustrating situation. Um, And if we want accountability, we have to understand that there are downsides because people very well might turn around and hold us accountable, and that doesn't feel so good sometimes. So I just wanted to tell you this little tale of this individual and this story. Because I think it's a cautionary tale for all of us. I know it has been for me as I've been taking the as I've taken the accountability journey over the years. I've had to look at myself in the mirror more than I thought I would in the beginning because I thought it was all the people around me, and it was really me. So, um, thanks for listening to the accountability moment today. And if you guys have any interest in learning more about accountability, this is something that I coach. I, I consult on, I can help in your organizations, and I promise the story doesn't have to be a bad story. It can absolutely be a positive story and give you a very high-performing team that can create and, and um, accomplish such great things. Okay, guys, have a fantastic day, and we'll see you again right here on this show next week.